Here's the cool. I want to tell you this little story because it happened, and I think it's, it's really um, amazing. And I got to go to a... Well, I'll just... In, in, we read Second Chronicles 32. It's the story of Josiah, a, a king, one of the, the last good king of Judah, who had been prophesied 300 years before by name. You know, we all are familiar with the Cyrus prophesied by Isaiah. But this Josiah had been prophesied to destroy and burn the, the bones of the priest who had made the altar for Jeroboam and the golden calves. And now all of a sudden he's king. Becomes king at eight. At about 16, he begins to earnestly seek the Lord. This is the beginning of any relationship for any person as each one of us at some point say, you know, I want to... I want to know you. I want to find you. Uh, then he begins at age 20 to cleanse the land. He begins to pull down the altars and all the things his dad had done and just began to even going so far as to cleanse the temple. At age 26, he finds, he, they go in to now purify, repair the temple, get it back to function. And during the repairs, the, the high priest uh, Hilkiah or Hildiah finds the book of the law. He finds the five, first five books of the Bible. Moses' book of the law called the Torah or, or the Pentateuch. He finds it and he sends that by a messenger and a couple of the leaders of the temple to the priests to, to Josiah. And Josiah has read aloud to him and by the time he's got through Deuteronomy, he has torn his robe, and he's heartbroken, he's weeping, and he's realizing something, the, the wrath of God is upon them as a nation because of their behavior and choices to, re, to refuse God's calling of, of life, how to live. So he then sends, Josiah sends a group of, the, of these leaders that are, tend to him to one of the prophets to ask, what about this? And when the prophet is given this question, the prophet says, yes, indeed, it will be everything that was written in the book of the law. It will come and is coming. And this had happened because of his father, Manasseh, who had just really gone in far extreme uh, idolatry and witchcraft and occult and God said that's it I can't hold this anymore I'm moving you out of here well only way to reclaim your heart is to remove you from the promise I gave you so Josiah is the, the prophet says it is indeed going to happen it's just what the, the law the book the Bible will happen as it's written but tell the man who sent you because your heart was tender because you wept, because you humbled yourself before me, and because you pulled, I saw you tear your robe, God then says to the, the prophet, this will not happen in your lifetime. So this Josiah, can you imagine, you're building, renewing the temple, but the law has been lost. The, the, the order of worship has been lost. This, the standard of God has been forgotten. The way in which a nation is to be relating to God through the, through the law has all been 
gone. And now you read it. You realize, whoa, we're in trouble. We're not in a safe place. They then, Josiah, because he's getting, he's, his heart is responding. God's always seeking to redeem us back to himself. He gathers all of Judah and Jerusalem, and, they, and he reads the five books to the entire people, from the elders to the children, from the great to the least. Everybody hears the five books. And then from the five books, they make a new covenant to, to again, seek the Lord. And then they keep the Passover. And this Passover was the greatest Passover kept, not one like this, and since the days of Samuel, the prophet. Uh, Hezekiah, his grandfather, had kept a really good Passover. And they likened it to there hadn't been a Passover like this since King Solomon. But this Josiah, this tender-hearted young man, bringing a nation back. This is a national revival. This is national reformation. And I believe that's the reason the Bible's going to come back into the church. Not just kind of peripheral, but its, it's capacity to, to uh, set a line before us. And I'll show you that. Let's go to John chapter 1. Uh, when I started doing this again, reading through the Bible two years ago, I was so taken back at how illiterate I'd become because I'd forgotten so much of the scriptures. I mean, I got, I could, I could, I could pretty much tell you about any of it, but I, I hadn't kind of just lived in it. Just, and then I began to see this, the full spectrum of God. That has changed my life forever. I mean, I can't wait every day to go immerse myself, just to kind of go walk inside this living spirit of the living word of God. So this Christmas, it became evident to me, I want to, we got to be in John's epistle, John's gospel, excuse me, because his gospel gives us an entirely different nativity. So, Father, would you please help us in this time? Again, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, I hope. But I bless uh, the intensity that you want to give. I sense it. I sense the John the Baptist anointing coming back to the earth. Call, voice calling in the wilderness to make straight the paths of the Lord. But Lord, we are rejoicing that this is the working of God. And we would ask you to reveal yourself in us and to us in every way in the scripture by the Holy Spirit. So that we might... Um, uh, allow you to find access to us that we might humble ourselves, pray, seek your face, turn from our wicked ways so that there could become indeed a great demonstration of healing and forgiveness in the land in all ways and all peoples, all the way to Israel. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. This is the Logos. The Logos is the Bible. So in the beginning was the Bible, if that's how we would refer to it. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So the, he is 
this word, Jesus, which we didn't know him as Jesus. He's God the, the God the word, you know, God the Son. He is functioning, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend or overcome or apprehend it or eagerly seize it because darkness was indeed part of humanity by this time. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came as a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. As there was the spirit of Elijah upon John, there will be that spirit of Elijah upon the church again in the preparation of the coming of the Lord. Because God, he sends a message, and we'll hear about this in a moment. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. The, the earth struggle today is Jesus Christ is no longer having preeminence in the minds and thoughts and conversations of, of humanity. And the, many of the basis of our whole culture and society have been uh, forgotten. And so he's the wake-up. He's the waker-upper. That was the true light. He came to bear witness of the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world, or in other references, the way it's phrased is that in coming into the world, he gives light to every man. So this now, word of God being made flesh. He was the wor in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. So the creation was not recognizing him or coming into union with him. He came to his own, to Israel, his covenant people, and his own did not receive him. So a nation of inheritance and covenant could not recognize the Messiah that they had, the prophet spoke about. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. What a gift to believe in his name. We have now come into sonship. Who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So the receiving and the new birth, the born from above, is an act of God. And it's very, very real. But it isn't come because of who we, family we're born into, or how, what effort was put upon us to change us, or even how hard somebody's will was to get us there. It was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld uh, his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the, the only begotten, this, this, this God becoming man, emptying himself of everything he possessed, and of essence by the word spoken to Mary through the angel and the spirit of God hovering upon her, there was conception and this became flesh. And we beheld him as the only begotten. And the only begotten had a mission which was to become our sin offering after perfect obedience with the Father in 33 years of fellowship, growing up appropriately from age of accountability at his bar mitzvah there at the temple, now he's about his father's business, staying submitted under his, his father's home in Na Nazareth uh, as God is overcoming pride through humility and overcoming rebellion through obedience. And this acting out, living out. Though he was a son, he learned obedience to the things he went through. 
and so became the author of eternal salvation now to us who learn to obey him. So John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me because he was before me. Meaning he was there, he was first before I even was here. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's why we call an Old Testament New Testament. We call the Old Testament was the law given by Moses and it brought uh, death and condemnation. The New Testament is the, is the law given by the Holy Spirit being put into our hearts and minds, and it gives us uh, life and righteousness, 2 Corinthians 3. So uh, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father who has declared him. So the, the Bible became flesh. And this effort of God to give his only begotten son is so we can know him. He is revealing who God is. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Well, they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then he said to him, who are you? They said to him, that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So this is how the preparation for Jesus, for the word of God to be made flesh, to live among us, to be Emmanuel, and to finally go and die in our place and be raised from the dead, to now be our firstborn among many brethren. This voice crying out in the wilderness. And that's really my prayer today over my life, is I want whatever we're doing to lead us to Jesus. And may the voice that would be speaking. I went and looked at this. Uh, it's a prophecy out of Isaiah 40. If we could go to Isaiah 40, it's interesting because the whole Bible says the same thing. It says Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It says the means of salvation will have to be that God has to become man, die in our place, and be raised from the dead by faith in God. And that new, gener that new company of creation, the, the life-giving spirit generation of Jesus, people would come. So Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So those who are in covenant will always be judged with a higher standard than those who are not in covenant. Just as those who know the truth but choose refuse not to do it, will be judged in a higher level than those who did not know the truth and did things worthy of being uh, judged for it, Jesus said. So we, one of the prayers that are really I before the Lord is Zechariah chapter 12 and 13 right now in my heart for Israel to see their Messiah. 
in the midst of God movement in this struggle and, and war they're in. And Zechariah 12 and 13 speak of a promise that yet to be fully fulfilled. And I'm believing for that. So with that end, there's an intention. Okay, God says, speak comfort. It's all done. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. So when we want to come out of a season that we've been in, God has to bring a attention to us so we can begin intentionally journeying. The voice is crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain shall, hill will be brought low. So there's, God begins to do a work of, 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 of bringing things back into a line, to, a, to the gold standard, to the, to the plain where we all meet before the Lord in the same place. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. And if you take time, we look at John when he was in his pre-ministry. They're cousins. They, they would have grown up seeing each other. But when they stepped into ministry, it was entirely by the Spirit that would set the order. And therefore, John was told of what he would see to know that this was the Christ and it happens. And, but he's just calling up. He's calling up people back their heart to God, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and turning the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of the just, Luke said. So the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, uh, so the, the awakening that was coming to Israel and is coming to Israel and coming to America begins with, with, with a calling back to God's standard of who he is and how we are to live before him. It's, it's how it's been, always will be. Uh, the greatest revivals recorded in the Bible in, in the Bible happened after the book of the law was read. Because all of a sudden you, you go, whoa, I'm really coming up short. And whoa, God really has a, a, a desire for a real, genuine relationship. And whoa, God doesn't approve of a lot of things that I've just let slip. And wow, this, this, this is, there, there's, a, there's a way back, and I want to, and all of that is, a, is the plowing up of the heart. Without the heart getting soft and convicted and, you know, charged, a lot of times the message of the answer being presented wouldn't be heard. It's not valuable yet. So uh, the voice said, cry out. What shall I cry out? All flesh is grass. And all the, its loveliness is like the flower of the field. So what, one of the things that John the Baptist began to bring to attention to those who were listening were the fact that we really aren't that, we're, we're not capable of sustaining life. We are not the source of life. We are not the means to life. We're just like grass. And we're going we're gonna, to, all our beauty is going to just shrivel away. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the because of the breath of the Lord blows upon it, and surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Beloved, I believe with all my heart that this book, embraced and ate and meditated on, has the capacity to literally position any person, any heart, any people back into an experience with God that will release true salvation 
in the most powerful way. To be born from above. In John chapter 3, you have Nicodemus looking to find out about this Messiah who obviously must be the Messiah because he's doing all these miracles. And Jesus says, you've got to be born from above. You've got to be born from the spirit and water. And he's going, what? Born again? How is a full-grown man going to grow, climb back into his mother's tummy? It's, it's like, and Jesus had to say, you're not getting it. Because this, what's from above is not what's from the earth. And John the Baptist has to even address in the same chapter 3 that his disciples are jealous that Jesus' ministry is now growing and theirs is kind of going aside. And he says, well, I can't, a man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. And you heard I said I wasn't the Christ. And he must increase and I will decrease. And then he goes on and he says, he who's from heaven speaks from heaven. He who's from the earth speaks from the earth. We are inside earth canisters living through time and space, and therefore we have a lot of uh, information being communicated of the earth. But we've been called to be born again, born from above, and learn to live under this word and hear the voice of the Lord and move in his spirit. And it's, it's what we would now know as the testimony of Jesus, what, what we're hearing of who God says the Son is. And this gift that God brought in the Son and accepting Him and making room for Him kept growing. I want to share just one other couple verses. Luke 9, kind of an interesting story, but everything, Luke 9, I'll begin at verse 27. This is the, the, the account of the transfiguration. Every Every experience in the Holy Spirit and inside the truth is an opportunity to grow in yielded trust and relaxed rest and anticipation of its fulfillment. The word is literally going to be fulfilled before our very eyes. And some of us are learning to see with our spiritual eyes. And we can begin to see things happening. When the world is crying, oh no, we're going, oh yay. Because we see what God's doing. He's after the hearts of men. He wants to redeem. So um, Jesus is struggling with his own disciples. He's commending Peter. You've got a good vision. I am the Christ. Father gave that to you. That's really great. Now that you know who I am, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer under the hands of, of evil men and be, and be killed. But on the third day, I'm going to be raised. Then G, the Peter, the same Peter who had the revelation from the Father, comes alongside and says, no way. That doesn't serve our purpose. That will never happen. So the same Jesus who said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, says, get behind me, Satan. The true relationship in the kingdom is one which God can rebuke me and commend me. And he's not based on how I'm doing. He's based on the truth that I'm apprehending or rejecting. He has, to, he has to use the word of God. When Jesus stands before the Father and makes his last priestly prayer in John 17, he says, God, Father, I kept them by your name. Now, you keep them from the evil one. Don't let them touch him. Don't take them out of the world. I want them in the world, but they're not of the world. So they're going to walk in the world, but not of the world. And don't let the devil have them. So 
What you, I want you to do is what you did for me. Sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus overcame the devil on Mount Temptation with the word, not with his baptism, not with the Holy Spirit and anointing, not with gifts and not with miracles. When it comes to standing, we talked on this just, uh, last week. When it comes to resisting the devil, it's steadfastness in our faith, and faith is it from what the Word of God has communicated, that we know, no, God is good, and I'm not going to accept that evil as being God. God is a generous, and so I can expect His help and not fear it's all falling apart. I'm learning to live under the Word. So uh, now it says came to pass about eight days after this rebuke. And he had told him, you're going to see me, you're going to, you're going to see the kingdom. He takes Peter, John, and James, and they go up on a mountain to pray. So I, I just, it's just, a, it's all coming together. It's all coming together, spirit and truth. And he, as he prayed, prayer is primary. The, everything of Jesus happens in correlation to the seeker. If you're seeking, you'll find. And he's, so he's praying. He's praying. And the appearance of his face was altered. And his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men were there with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, literally departure. So they're standing with him. Moses has died. Elijah's never died. They're talking about what's going to be accomplished at Jerusalem. And Peter is awakened and sees this. And they, were, they had been asleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. So Peter, as it happens, he was, as they were parting, as, uh, departing from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Some of the things of God have to be received and allowed to find access into our life, and we can't put them into a bottle, and we can't stick them in a box. You just can't force them into some component. Had Peter been successful, we would all be part of the Three Tabernacle Church. But he, it wasn't going to be allowed. In fact, how do, you, how do you undo in a moment that's so good, you just overwhelm it with a new moment? While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were fearful as they entered that cloud. The word overshadow is the same explanation that Mary was given by Gabriel when she was told that she was going to bear a child. And she said, how shall this be since I do not know a man? There are things that God can only give us that's not through the knowing of man. And she had not been, they were not intimate. They had not had intercourse. There was no seed. So how is that going to, how shall it be since I don't know a man? And she was told, well, the, the Most High will overshadow you. And the, and the Holy Spirit will, will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So literally, when she said, be it done to me according to what you're saying to me, according to your word, the Holy Spirit placed those words 
impregnated into her womb, found the, the egg, and boom, a brand new, never before, a sinless creation, a flesh that was going to be her flesh, but a spirit who had never sinned. So this now is another overshadowing. A cloud came and overshadowed them, but the same dynamic, same experiential work, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. I love the word hear him because it's, it's so much about walking with Jesus is about holding his word spoken to us as words of eternal worth and value even in the conflicts we're in. So when the voice had ceased, and when the voice had ceased, it meant it had completed what it came to say. Just like when we read in John chapter 1, all things were made by him. So when the voice had made, it could be the same Greek word. Jesus was found alone. So all of those, but they kept quiet and told no one of those days of the things they had seen. Now, what's an experience with God and the Son of God? And the word of God. How do, they, how do they transform us into the glory, from glory to glory into his image? Well, in 2 Peter chapter 1, and this is my last verse, verse 12. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. I love the Bible because we, it's, it's, it's a book written to us through mortal men and over the scope of lifetimes. So you see this transformation process. So Peter now says, for this reason, I'm not going to be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know them and are established in the present truth. So the, the forgetting what we've heard causes us to not partake in what we've been given. That's why this abiding in his word. Well, abide in my word. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. So, yes, I think it right as long as I'm in this tent. This is, we live in a tent. Some of our tents we're really, really pleased with. Some of them we'd like to change. Uh, but we don't, until we die, get the new tent. When we end the resurrection, we'll all get brand new tents. To stir up you, I want to remind you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. That's how the new covenant believer thought of it. Well, I'm, I'm, got, I'm going to finish my course in my tent, and God's, just as our Lord Jesus has showed me. So death is not a de death. It's a departure. It's a, a falling asleep. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease, which is what he's doing. He's writing. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now think of this, Peter. How many years has he lived since the resurrection? He walked with Jesus through the entire Gospels. But one thing he remembered more than anything was that day on Mount Transfiguration. For he received, this is, from God the Father, honor and glory, when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. 
when I give time to the scriptures and give time to prayer where the Holy Spirit can brood over this, those are those moments when we hear God speaking. And when God speaks, they become a point of eternal connection to, and we can return those places. He says, and we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So Peter's going, I can pull back a lot of encounters, a lot of moments, a lot of miracles, but that was the one that marked my life. And I remember something about that that I really want you to re remember what was happening. It says, we, so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which is this beautiful Bible, which we do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises on our heart. I used to read the Bible so I could either know what to do. I used to read the Bible so I could know what to tell God to do. I used to read the Bible to make sure something happened the way it needed to happen. I used to read it so I would obey God, not be rejected by God. Now I just eat it. I just enter in, allow an experience as Jesus would have me. I allow him to elaborate and enlarge. I accept it as truth. I don't even try to believe it. I just accept it as truth. I'm in that place. And he says, what happens with the prophetic word, which we do well, we're heeding it. It's like a light. This is a light. This is the path for the Lord's coming. This Bible is the path of the Lord's coming. No other, no other book on the, on the planet is alive. And this, he says, now heed it. Because it's a light. It's shining in a dark place. But there's a day dawning and a morning star that's going to rise in our hearts. And you can literally feel the scriptures start to resonate with the, the glory of God. As it says in 2 Corinthians 3, that as we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're transformed by the Spirit of God from glory to glory. And then he says... Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. So we are all submitted to the Spirit's interpretation of all prophecy. We cannot come up with our own desire. We may have a leaning that direction, but it's only the interpretation of the Spirit. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So... Chapter 2, we're going to close because chapter 2 says, now what's coming is going to be dece deception all over the earth in the last days, as they were. And we are in those last days that are emerging, and this calling back to the gold standard, calling back to the order of God, allowing Scripture to be that. So I'd like to lead us in prayer. And I... To be born from above means that I have accepted God's testimony of his son as Jesus has died for my sins, raised from the dead. I believe God raised him from the dead, therefore I am saved and made alive. And then begins a journey of transformation, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. I don't think, I know that a lot of change takes a long time. A lot of changes take years, maybe decades. 
because I'm having to come to conclusions that I cannot perform what I've read, I cannot do what I set out to do, I cannot be the person I wanted to be. A lot of hard acceptances of my soul having to say, you know, I'm just not the one I wanted to be, but just recently I told the Lord this week, I said, Lord, I cannot come up to who you are. I can only live in who you are. I cannot reproduce you. I can only receive you. And it's really cool because that's all God ever wanted was to be our source of life, our source of healing, our source of deliverance, our source to accept the testimony. So I'd like to release, if you'll... I would like to release the spirit of Elijah upon us to, to have experiential encounters with the truth in the word and the word of truth and the one who's been not just made flesh but now have been raised a new creation and we are a part of Heavenly Father I thank you that you were so purposeful. You knew it before time began that we would all have to go through this journey. You would have to first become man who had fallen from creation. And then through our, your payment, redeem us from all sin. Then you would have to, in the resurrection, begin to set a brand new order and a place of relationship that we would learn and become conformed in likeness. And to do so, you gave us the Bible and now the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. If you'll stand up with me. The Holy... If you want God to speak through his word to make alive who you are in Christ, who Christ is in us, let him know. I want your word to come alive in me. I want you to speak from your word. I want to uh, be transformed in your truth. I want to be sanctified in your scripture. Just tell the Lord. Lord, I want it. I want it. I want to become who you are, inside who you are, submitted to who you are, accepting of who you are. Just takes a beginning point. It's always a seeking point. It's always a returning point. If I got lazy, I got to return. If I never saw the value, I've got to make it become valuable. If I don't understand that the Bible is worth more than all the gold and silver and precious jewels in this earth combined, this one Bible, then I have to kind of return to say, Lord, how make that true for me. Now the second thing is ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come again and awaken me. I want to be overshadowed. I want the Word of God to penetrate my being change me oh Lord oh Lord oh Lord 
our prayer today. Join with us. Jesus Christ, the living word. Come alive inside of me. Go ahead. Let's let this become a prayer. Jesus Christ, the living word. Come alive inside of me Jesus Christ the living word come alive inside of me with our heart we believe and with our mouth we confess this truth Jesus Christ the living word Come alive inside of me. Oh, make room. Give him room. Jesus Christ, the living word. Come alive inside of me. Jesus Christ, the living yes, Lord. Now, with that prayer, our heart believing, our mouth speaking, we are inside salvation. We have been given in salvation through the Son. Now, all we have to do is give some time to it with the Bible, with prayer. I just, you, what is coming is going to be both the darkest days of the earth and the most brightest glory on the church. And God is training us in our struggles and troubles and the conflicts that's around us and, and, and to, to return and just to allow the scripture to bear comfort and to begin to call forth, brings things up, bring other things down, make crooked things straight, begin to call a light, a path, and a, and a journey. And I bless you. I bless you. you. No one, no one cannot not do this. Because all it is is the scripture becomes the source of truth that which we all have to submit to and none of us get to alter it according to our own pleasure. But the spirit is the one who convicts so we can come into agreement and Jesus is the provision so we can receive it. And the father is the one who gave us these, this path of salvation and we can we can go beyond anything we've yet gone to there's so much more 
So if you'll hold up your hands, bless, I want to bless you. Daddy, if I could just give away a little of what you're doing in my life, I would just be happy. Would you put it on your sons and daughters? We're all of a sudden time spent with you inside your word, in prayer, just conversing, accepting. The testimony of the son begins to come alive and, and the answer is, is already now settled because the truth of God's word is what always holds my place no matter where I am and how I'm being contended over. I declare an overcoming faith in the word of God and the spirit of God to rise in your people. Sweet, sweet times. Sweet, sweet, quiet, gentle times. In the midst of conflict and chaos, in the midst of challenges, woes. Jesus, you are the living word. And come dwell deep inside us and rise up. I believe from the inside out, God is going to change hearts and minds and lives and circumstances. But it will not be because the outside needs to change. It will mean the outside just has to change because the insides change so well. So love you. Bless you. Give Jesus the best gift he could ever be given. Read his Bible every day. And follow us in the scripture. And pray to him in his name to the Father every day and let him bring that transformation that will be the happiest thing for Christ to be formed in us this Christmas season amen all right God bless you love you